This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a, next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Time. Anime, live. comics, movies, and games to come on and let's get it. Talk time live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news, special guests, and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new me too i heard words with no faith is empty i stayed the course though my haters tempt me beep the podcast that'll make them envy it ain't too trendy it's acmg anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games to come on and let's get it talk time live Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the prime show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. We got some news to talk about. Unfortunately, some sad news, uh, two passings that have happened this week. So we'll be talking about that. And uh, if you're a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, if you're a fan of Marvel Studios, I may have the Christmas gift that you may want this year. So stay tuned for that. And... One of my all-time favorite movies is getting in a reboot, and they found the star to play in this iconic cult classic. So we're going to talk about this because I'm very excited about that. But in our talk topic, I am not excited to talk about the game, the live action adaptive games known as Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, I had even I even you just heard it. I had a hard time even saying it. We're going to talk about this movie. We're just going to talk about this movie. It came out on Peacock this week and also in theaters for some odd reason, but we're going to talk about it. And, the, you know, whenever a live uh, action adaptation comes out, I tend to want to see if it's going to encourage me to want to buy the game. Now, I've known that this game has been out for quite some time and I looked at him like this looks incredibly weird. Not my deal, but, you know, when he make it to the point that they make a movie based on it or animated series about it or something like that i get interested so that is pretty much what i did i watched it 
and I'll get my thoughts on it at the top of this show. So let's not waste any time, folks. We got a lot to talk about. And unfortunately, we're going to start off on a sad note. So we're, let's get to it right now. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. So before I actually get to my notes, uh, because this wasn't in my notes, this was just added, but you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention him. Uh, you know, I recognize his talent. I wasn't always the biggest fan of him or the rest of the cast of friends, but he was a talented actor. He was actually really funny on the show. Um, my beef with for, uh, friends, like friends is a great show. Like, like, uh, let me put it out there right now. Friends is a great show, but I, when I found out, what happened with the show living single and you know how they got screwed over by the same studio that made friends which made them and it it, it was a whole thing and friends actually is the white living single literally in every stretch and they kind of took that idea and kind of made friends you know that from which took a lot of steam off of living single that was documented that was known the cast themselves would actually tell you that um tc carson has spoken about that uh on occasions as well a lot of them did but it's no it's not a slight on the cast like the cast can't it didn't have anything to do with that it was the studios and i recognize that but it just it always left a bad taste in my mouth it's like i couldn't enjoy this entirely knowing that but with that said the show is legendary i can't take that away from it and matthew perry is also one of probably the biggest standouts of that show and unfortunately we lost him uh it was reported last night on uh many media sources that he passed away uh died from drowning which is very weird very significant um and it's interesting we you know they said that he died from drowning we i'm pretty sure we're probably going to learn a little bit more as the days come in because this is a big big loss there's a lot of friends fans out there there's ton dozens and pun dozens thousands right millions of you know friends fans and matthew perry was one of the like major fan favorites out there you know probably right next probably second to only just um uh jennifer aniston you know uh and joey lawrence uh not supposed to say joey lawrence um but joey you know uh basically so um it's really sad because he went through a lot and he just recently wrote a book i think last year where he talked about everything that he went through and the popularity and the pressure and all that stuff that came about he also had a weird resentment for keanu reeves and i believe it was documented in the book where he kept throwing shade at keanu reeves for some reason because of his acting ability now granted I, we're not going to say keanu reeves is a oscar winner he's not a meryl streep level you know oscar you know oscar winning actor but credit to keanu reeves he when he he knows his stuff and he knows how to utilize it and the people who work with him know how to utilize him the right way um he he strategically has made some cult level legendary classic movies i mean 
he is his library now i think that's the case too his library is insane compared to matthew perry like matthew perry is only known for for friends mostly but keanu reeves like bill and ted the matrix john wick speed like this dude somehow just made like it is i found it funny too because like the bill and ted dude is gotten this all this but he's so he's known for so many awesome roles and that might i don't know why maybe i need to read the book maybe that's why i need to read the book to figure out why he has this resentment towards him it was just weird but um he unfortunately is no longer with us and it's sad and i you know thoughts and prayers to the fans friends and family of matthew perry because um this is this is a big hurt and he he wasn't he wasn't that old either he was like probably in his 50s and, and, and in, in some cases um probably i don't know they his last post came off a little bit you know some would say eerie in a way because he was talking about actually you know relaxing in the water or whatever like that and then all of a sudden this happens and i just hope that it wasn't suicidal or anything or self-inflicted to it not um he did have a big drug problem mental health issues stuff like that um he's he's like opened up about it either way i wish him the best rest in peace and um you know again you know peace be with all, all of you guys who are fans of and friends and family of matthew perry for that um this other name that i want to mention i this one was this one hit me but at the same time and we don't know the reason for this or what, what, what led to this but cult classic legend he's a legend in my mind but richard mall if you guys don't know that name like if you're young if you're gen z and don't know that name that's understandable um but if you go back if you actually go back and look at some classic things like night court was one of my all-time favorite comedies night court uh which starred him and a host of like he's probably i believe the third or fifth cast member of that show that has passed away like a lot of them have passed away um recently and they rebooted they actually rebooted uh night court recently with uh john larroquette reprising his role as a, a different dan fielding in here but he never made it back on uh neither did uh marcia warfield for some odd reason like they were the only two left um and i guess this is probably why maybe he, I, I don't know what happened but he he was 80 years old he uh passed away in his home in big bear lake uh california and it was told it was uh told by his, one of uh rep uh, representative of his family again mostly known for playing the role of bull in night court and he's like the biggest standout of that play of uh, that show because he was just big lanky tall comedic you like really awesome comedic uh wonder in that show and he he was just so great i i've actually recently uh been watching even before this news i've been watching old episodes of night court because i've been i love that show i've been dying to watch the show and the last time i was able to watch the show it was when i went to san diego comic-con in 2017 because they were playing you know it was they were playing it in syndication in the west coast but it was never showing here but now freebie which is uh in association with amazon video they now have the entire catalog there so i've been re-watching it again and still enjoyed it and also like 
God, if you ever want to see like legendary actors of today, watch that show because you'll see people that is like, whoa, that's, you know, in their, in their, in their youth, like Fred Drescher is in there. Michael J. Fox is like, is like on episode two, like Michael J. F I don't know if he, this was before or after or during family ties or whatever like that, but he was in there and it, and you look at him and you were wondering, like, you understand why he was so sought after, you know, before he got Parkinson's and everything, he was going to be like in, in Tom Hanks level by this point, if he's, if he was able, if he was still, uh, able to do what he did, but he was awesome. Michael J. Fox is, is legend for a reason. Um, but Richard Maul also was awesome and very talented. We didn't know how talented he was, but later in his career, he became the voice. He started doing voice acting and became the voice of Two-Face in Batman animated series. He also went on to become Scorpion and Spider-Man animated series among other characters in animated and video game series as well. Um, you know, he died at the age of 80. And I will say this, and I've said this before, and I got my rule. I have my my golden rule about the you know mourning and celebrating. I save mourning. I say mourning for people. I say for those who are young and didn't have a chance to really learn and live life the way they were supposed to. When you reach 80, I would say that is a time to celebrate a life especially one like his because he's done so many awesome things and he's brought so much joy through his performances you know as bull or two-faced or whatever like he's he was uberly talented um he's done horror movies as well i mean like he's 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 he kind of reminds me of um oh god i'm trying to figure out the name clancy brown he reminds me of clancy brown in the sense it's like clancy brown if you watch clancy brown on Highlander when he played the Kurgan and you you just thought he was this big brute brutish dude you didn't think that this you you didn't think that this dude will be as articulate and iconic as he was and talented as he was down the road and then we find out like Clancy Brown is in almost anything today like he we you, you recently just seen him in Gen V you know um he's he was the definitive voice of Lex Luthor in the anime in the Superman animated series. Um, there's, I don't care what they say. Nobody does a better Lex Luthor in an animated series than Clancy Brown. He's one of the best Lex Luthor performances I've ever seen. Um, and ever heard, I would say, but, uh, he also has done like countless. And I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm telling you a bucket list interview for me. It's Clancy Brown. I would, man, I would love to talk about because one, he's a part of one of my all-time favorite movies, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And then on top of that, he's just his his performance is so it, it, it's 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 demanding, and his voice is it carries over so dramatically and beautifully. I I just love the way he does it, and I, whether it's live action or it's you know or it's animated he he does really well i mean like punisher he was in that he was in he played uh salter in uh you know thor uh ragnarok like something like that richard maul is in that same kick where like he could do live action 
and then he could do also he could do great live action and he could do great voice performances as well um you know it's guys like that like him Cree summers you know these guys were like great at, at doing um you know live comedy shows and then they uh, you know transitioned over to voice acting and whatnot and i just i just love what they've done i, I love richard mall's work i will miss his work but at the age of 80 we're gonna celebrate that dude because he has fulfilled us with so many great moments so many great characters uh so many great performances made me laugh it made me smile at the same time and almost everything he's done so with that said rest in power in paradise richard mall you will be missed and thank you for all of your talent uh in there and i will give the same thing to matthew perry for especially in um on behalf of all fans there too you know um it is it's i won't say i will not actually say this is sad now granted if it was it's it's I, they haven't really said what it was it, you know at the age of 80 you could never know what it can be and i'm pretty sure we'll find out soon enough but um could have been natural causes could have been whatever we don't know either way you know thank you and you created a great legacy for yourself for your family and for all your fans like myself so um you know kudos to you my man you, you, thank you thank you and i will always cherish night court forever as well as your characters that you've done so all right let's liven up the mood here um since we're in this we're in a spirit of already advertising christmas already just get on my damn nerves i got a i got a possible christmas list of items that you may want to check out one of which if you're a marvel studios fan if you're a fan of the mcu marvel studios just came out with a book and this book is called the marvel cinematic universe official timeline book this is basically cyclopedia britannica i know gen z people won't know what the hell it is because they know wikipedia which i question but this is a this is a highly detailed book if you want like this just clarifies everything that we know about the marvel cinematic universe this is the source proof of anything that happens in the marvel cinematic universe so everything we've ever questioned about the mcu that we've known about or whatever if you have a question if you have doubts this is the book that you go to this is the definitive telling of the entire timeline this book is the ultimate guide if you will to the mcu which talks about events dating back to the beginning of time where the celestials creating the big bang which also created the infinity stones it covers everything the book is narrated and guided by miss minutes which by the way if y'all watch low-key this week i don't trust this woman i don't trust this uh cartoon thing yo say what you will about tara platt but she's killing this this role right now but the the deviant attitude and look on her face when she killed all those tva people this week oh that was ah uh -uh. miss minutes <laughs> miss minutes is like drop dead evil man but she is narrating this book and guiding uh guiding us uh with help and details of the mcu story all the way which leads from the eternals because apparently the eternals is the beginning 
or the celestial the events of the eternals is the beginning is that you know if you watch that movie they explain how everything in the universe has been created so they kind of factor that in and it goes all the way up to the events of guardians of the galaxy volume three kevin feige writes the forward for this um makes it really official it's 346 pages that covers everything in minute detail and in chronological order so all of the guessing that we've been doing for years all of the figuring out all of the studying it all stops right here because now you'll have all this information here it's available in hardcover and digital i was extremely happy i was just hoping for that and um i have it right now i'm looking at it and it is gorgeous it is i i almost want to get the hardcover just to, for the hell of it but just for the collectible aspect but i don't know where i will put it i don't have a table i don't have a coffee table to put this in but i had i have an ipad and i am able to you know um check it out and it start literally starts with the distant past and it's all it's it's so beautifully detailed and uh god it, it, it really i love that they have the time streams on here of everything that goes on so like you literally can study everything that goes on they got beautiful pictures in hd of um scenes from the movies that we've watched and oh wow they're even going oh wow this is amazing it's just so awesome so i can't wait to really get down and deep with this book but it's really awesome but i think this is a great holiday gift for anybody in your family even for yourself who is who are fans of marvel studios you gotta get this book it absolutely i believe well the digital was 19.99 i believe the hardcover is 34.99 because it's a big book and it's hardcover and it's 346 pages and trust me when i tell you judging what i'm looking at it's worth getting it is it is god awful beautiful they cover like where the time where it even goes like from when the timeline of where vibranium comes in and where that's coming from and explains all that and i mean just so much detail the eternals you know what comes of them uh how old are the asgardians and how long can they live stuff like that like it really gives you some awesome 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 detail of this and it covers every of course it covers every movie and their timelines and what happens there and you know and how how they intertwine with each other um they even get to the point of like shang chi's era and all that stuff and when the quote-unquote mandarin has you know has come in with the rings and all this stuff i what i want to know is do they really explain the the origin of the rings in here because that is something that has not been talked about since shang chi at the end where wong was talking about it because that's still a mystery so it's interesting that they brought this out before we learn a little bit more about that i don't know we you can't upgrade you can't upgrade the book but you gotta upgrade the um the digital version at, at least so either way a great like this is great for trivia like if i ever did a trivia um deal, i can easily use this book for reference and it, it again it's a great reference for all that like if you still like reading textbooks and all this stuff which i don't think a lot of people they do this will do for you i mean what i love about this this takes me back to the day because i'm a gen x i'm a gen x cat so like we used to like having information like we had the marvels uh the marvel comic universe uh trading cards which had a lot of information about the characters in the uh of marvel 
as well as some of the biggest stories in the Marvel comic universe in there. And um, interesting, I just, real quick, I got a, Justin, I got a TMZ notification uh, in reference to Matthew Perry, home where he drowned. No illicit drugs, but prescriptions found. Interesting. Uh, that sounds like it could have been an OD situation. I, don't quote me. I'm not quoting. It just sounds like it. I got to read the actual article for us, but it just popped up in my iPhone, um, in my iPad as I was reading this. But going back to the uh, to the book, man, I, like we used to enjoy learning about history, knowing stuff, not just saying that we know it when we really didn't know it. We actually going to know this stuff like we're our friends would, you know, trade knowledge back and forth of what we knew and didn't know and if we didn't know it then we would you know we would actually all right bet i, I didn't know this let me let talk tell me about it and where did you get your source and all this stuff you know so we actually like learning i can't speak for today's generation on that note because you know what i'm saying like people can't read past 240 characters these days this is way more than 300 uh, 240 characters people just saying but it is 346 pages of awesome stuff pictures and it balanced it off so it's not over like it's parag it's just paragraphs spread out through different areas so it's not that big of a detail type of deal but it's it fleshes out really well the way that they placed pictures and and uh and text and everything just really well done um i'm just looking forward to getting my hands on this because this is just pretty awesome so it's available on amazon which is where i got this i'm sure you could go to any bookstore and get the actual physical version and uh it remember it's the marvel cinematic universe official timeline book i think i don't know where i found it i think i found this on social media or maybe on a i forgot where i found this but i i saw this and i was like whoa let me look into this and i when i looked into this i was like i need to find this i need this now and trust me when i tell you it's worth it it's worth the money that you want to put in for there so go at it jump on it you know another thing that i will recommend as well especially if you are currently playing spider-man 2 um which again i am so eager to watch i mean to play this game again so bad i'm actually re i'm, I'm finally sitting down to watch every single spider-man live action movie actually i'll watch the into the spider-verse because they're all connected now especially if you watch if you played spider-man 2 it is all connected i'll just leave it at that but playing spider-man 2 got me wanted to go back and watch all of these spider-man movies again so i'm watching i'm at i, I watch uh spider-man 1 and 2 and they still hold up beautifully um and i'm watching spider-man 3 which i'm very interested uh, i gotta watch spider-man 3 but i'm very interested to see if i have a different outlook on that movie <laughs> than we did before because i'm with everybody else on the you know miscast of tougher gracie who i do like and who i am a fan of you know of everything else but eddie brock like he just should not have been eddie brock but then again they didn't have tom hardy at the time so what do you do i still think that they could have gotten brock lesnar to actually be the actual venom to some case but it is what it is so playing spider-man 2 because it involves craven 
and that storyline with Craven was so good. Um, their their version, the Insomniac versions of Craven's story, was just so good. And the Venom story aspect as well. So I decided to check out one of my favorite stories in the Spider-Man universe, and that is Craven's Last Hunt. Not only is this a good book to find and to grab, but during Halloween, this is like the perfect story to grab this is during spider-man's you know black costume which is why the, the story of the insomniac marvel spider-man 2 game is loosely based off of this particular book because it was during the time when uh, like spider-man had the symbiote suit during the time and craven was just out there you know hunting everybody at the time so it's kind of like based off it but what they didn't do in the story of the game is what happened in this book, Craven's Last Hunt. Take note on the title, Craven's Last Hunt. That should give you an indication, but it won't tell you, it, you won't figure it out of what happens in this because it is one of the most creepiest, dark stories I think I've ever read in comics at the time. And up until The Walking Dead and like kick ass, if you will. But, um, this is one of those things where it's like, I grew up and matured reading this book because it wasn't like all good guys win, um, bad guys lose or good guys, you know, apprehend the bad guy and they, they go away, they go to jail and return. No, this took a turn and I'm a teenager and I'm young and this took a turn that I never thought I would ever see. And, um, oh, it was, it was crazy. But which I love the fact of what they did with Craven in the in the game and how far he would go and how cutthroat he was in the game. Like they did not hold back on Craven. He was just as merciless and cutthroat as he was in the comic. But he took a toll in the comic and it led to something very unfortunate. Um, I'll just leave it at that. But you could get that book which is also available it's probably easier for you to get this book on digital than it is um the actual physical book but you may be able to get the graphic novel uh, version of it you may be able to get the uh, bundle graphic novel of it and actually you can because you could go on um amazon.com and get the hard copy or the hardcover um or the digital which again i got because I, i'm all digital but trust me when i tell you this story this part of spider-man was crazy and this was right in the middle of when peter started the symbiote started really assimilating into peter making him a little bit more evil at this point and man all of that combined and what craven did um with him and everything it was just it was borderline crazy just borderline crazy also if you want because this you know the game also involves venom spider-man birth of venom you may also want to check that out too because um you know that started off venom and also you get to enjoy todd mcfarland's beautiful artwork um in that book too so those are two books three books i actually would recommend that you get you know especially if you're a, if you're a spider-man fan and you don't have these books or you haven't had them for a long time you haven't read them in a long time or if you are a spider-man fan because of the game in the movies but you never read this go get those books guarantee you really see where they came from 
And also you probably see why I wasn't a fan of the Tom Hardy movies because when you see how Venom is in the actual uh, comics, it is a far cry from what he was in the in the game and how I mean in the comics and how much of a threat he was to Peter and MJ like it was so well written and I've read comic I've read Spider-Man comics for years and it was when you read Spider-Man comics you know what to expect he has his role gallery he has like the Sinister Six you know Electro and Doc Ock and um lizard and scorpion and sandman and all this stuff and he jokes around with those guys and he always finds a way to you know throw off them and and defeat them and put them in jail he he you know uses spider sense and everything venom was the first character that he could not like he he had a hard time beating he almost died and this was the first time peter was frightened for his life not only just frightened for his life but frightened for mj's life as well mainly because you got a you got a guy in eddie brock who hated him eddie brock hated him like he because you know he uh before the term fake news was ever created eddie brock falsified some uh an article about this character this enemy called the sin eater and it became, you know, he just to, you know, get ahead as, as a journalist at the Daily Bugle. And apparently Peter Parker, you know, uh, he, he caught him. He, 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 uh, he, he background checked him, if you will, and called him out. And he got, Eddie Brock got fired for it. He hated him. He also hated Spider-Man. And one day at a church, which you probably, if you watch Spider-Man 3, that's the one thing I will say about Spider-Man 3 that was so great, is that Sam Raimi, just like he did with the other two uh, com um, movies. He respected the comics and he stood, he stuck with the source of what was going on in the comics and implemented that in real life. I just say the only bad decision he made was making Topher Gracie that um, the Venom. I think that was just one. Any other one people say to dance. I can handle the dance scene way better than I can handle Topher Gracie as a convincing um venom i, I you know it, that was my only thing um and then also it wasn't three wasn't that bad because we also got hayden um christensen uh if i'm saying his name right um who plays sandman and we he went on to play it in uh far from home so you know I, which i'm really glad because i don't really think that they really put too much of a focus on him in the third movie because they had to focus on venom and then they overwhelmed it because they had harry becoming the green goblin or hobgoblin or whatever at the same time so you had you know they didn't it wasn't well as well fleshed out as they did with far from home far from home was just the perfect formula and they were able to balance all of them around and make sure everybody has their time right and everything so it worked out but the Venom saga is just one of Spider-Man's greatest sagas, bar none. Just there's no debate from this. This this was just awesome. So if you want to really know, because you know in the game Harry's Venom, but if, for this universe, but in the six one the actual six one six Marvel Comics universe, which I don't understand. Like they're calling the Marvel Cinematic Universe six one six, but also they referred the comic book um version of 616 as well so i don't know what the hell is that but in the comic book 616 universe eddie brock is originally 
uh, you know, Venom and, he, and one day at a church, uh, he was, he was, you know, praying for death for Peter Parker in Spider-Man and lo and behold, the symbiote, the symbiote that Peter just got rid of thanks to the Fantastic Four. He finally was able to find somebody that hated Spider-Man themselves and merge with Eddie Brock to become Venom. And that's when he found out who that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. And this started Eddie Brock on a cringy, scary, dark, deadly, stalking, <laughs> stalking like a uh, tour with Peter. And not only that, Peter, the reason why Peter was so scared is because not only does Venom have his same abilities and same powers, but Venom, he could filter out that spider sense. So, so that means Peter didn't know where he was and didn't some of his abilities was something like the predator. Cause he can also, you know, disappear and, and go invisible and cloak himself in areas. There's one scene, there's one book, one of my favorite books drawn by Eric Larson, where he took Peter on a deserted island inhabited by nobody. There was nobody there. And Peter had to survive. Like he was in it, like he was in a jungle with Predator, like it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura and all those cats. And they were trying to get, you know, survive, you know, the Predator. Peter had no spider sense. He, nobody, he could not communicate anybody. He was just stuck with a villain who can kill him <laughs> okay and it was one of my favorite venom stories it's one of my favorite venom stories ever i love that story and then it was beautifully drawn by eric larson as well so if you really want to know the real the real deal like the eddie brock that you see from tom um howard uh hardy which is i guess you know for that universe is good you know and venom is now a good guy but I always wish that they would have started him off just like they did in the books and made him bad instead of just comedic duo of version of Venom, you know, you know, if we got that, then like, yo, I'm, I'm down, but go back and read that book. Go read the, the, the it's Spider-Man. The birth of Venom is on Amazon right now. You can get that, get that Craven's last hunt and for God's sakes, get star, uh, Marvel studios, Marvel cinematic universe, uh, and on an official timeline guide gotta get it gotta go get it all right last thing i want to talk about because i mentioned clancy brown and his role as the kurgan in one of my all-time favorite movies highlander they have been talking about bringing highlander back now for those who don't know how what highlander is highlander is a it is a uh movie a cult classic movie that spawned into a phenomenon to be honest it came out in 1986 it is a class well did it come out wait did it was it 1986 or what uh let me see yes it was 1986 and it starred christopher lambert who um went on to play raiden in the original live action mortal kombat movie but he was known as Connor mcleod and he was this scotsman who became an immortal and he ended up teaming up with this, you know, this guy named Ramirez, which was Sean Connery. And these guys were mortals. There's a select few people in the world that are mortals. And basically the deal is there's this thing called the quickening 
and the quickening happens when there's only one immortal left or supposedly one immortal left and the deal is that these guys all duel around the world and they kind of know when each other is coming because they can sense their power or energy or whatever and when they come it's a, it's on because once they come together they fight to the death and the only way they could die they could get shot they could get killed the only way they could die is if you behead them and once you behead them and they're you know they're already cut off the the person the victor gathers the power of that defeated immortal making them more powerful so the more the, the more immortals that they kill the more powerful that they are the more harder they are to beat and connor was one of the first the kurgan is his was his biggest enemy in here and these guys lived till 1986 but they were born way way back way back in the bcs so they've lived for a long time and the kurgan was one of the most powerful he's killed so many people so he's he was hard to beat the kurgan played by clancy brown was awesome christopher lambert was awesome and on top of that the legendary band queen did the album soundtrack for this movie so you got that combination it's gold it's platinum if you will this actually later spawned into a tv series um which featured uh let me see i forgot the guy's name and i i feel bad that i forgot the guy's name because i love the series too and he was no joke what was uh what was his name? Give me adrian paul yes adrian paul went on to play duncan mcleod which was a relative a, a, a um he was the cousin of connor mcleod but also became an immortal as well and connor you know trained him to become a uh an immortal and whatnot that series made a lot of fans a lot more fans of highlander because it was an awesome series and they had christopher lambert come in every once in a while and they actually spawned some movies off of this like the let me tell you the fame of highlander was so great i was such a big fan of this because i love the the rivalry the dueling and everything in this and the sword play and the fact that like connor and uh duncan had these awesome katana blades that they use i actually had a replica of it i had it when i was um i think when i was like 17 18 19 i brought it from chinatown or whatever like that my mom was not trying to hear it she kind of took it away and sold it because she didn't want me to start walking around with this thing which i'm 17 18 yeah i was gonna walk around with the damn katana so i you know i don't beef her for that i don't i don't have beef for that because you know she probably she did the right thing granted i do own swords now but i do not take it out so mom i'm looking up at you i know <laughs> but i almost feel like at the same time i should get a connor mcleod blade or a duncan mcleod blade, uh, blade again uh i i just love that show and then on top of that the the, the series furthered the show when they started adding all these other elements like the watchers and all the stuff and you had joe dawson and, and such in there you had like oh man it was, it was so awesome um tessa who uh and amanda that you had in there as well like there was just so many great characters in that show and oh god what happened with tessa and then also oh there was man go back and watch the highlander series if you if you have it this is just awesome but i'm saying all this to say that 
they have been working to try to bring this back to modern times. A reboot has been like in the works for quite some time, but they just haven't found the right person. They have officially found the right person, and I couldn't agree more. It is none other than Superman himself, Gerald, <laughs> the the um, the Witcher, is now immortal, and he has been chosen for the leading role for Highlander. And um, like you couldn't have found a better person. I think this is perfect for Henry Cavill. So unfortunately, of course, the SAG After Strike is still around, so we don't know. When this is going to be in production, actually, I mean, it's just their talks right now. I don't know if he couldn't have sound, uh, signed a contract. He couldn't have. Um, I know they probably just said that they want him, but there's no way they could have signed a contract with everything going on right now. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting thing as to whether I got so many questions about this. Will he be reprising the role of? Connor McLeod, or are they going to start a brand new story? I wish, I really hope that they don't. I wouldn't mind him being a McLeod of some form or fashion, and rather it not be Connor, but just keep the McLeod legacy going with that, because I really love the McLeods, whether it was Connor or Duncan or whatever. But I tell you what, man, it's I I haven't seen Adrian Paul in forever, by the way. And let me tell you, Adrian Paul, who played Duncan McLeod on the series, was phenomenal like his sword play like he trained on how to use the sword so well in that show to the point that like damn he could really chop somebody's head off like the way he the way he was able to move with that sword it was just amazing um i i hope that him and christopher lambert will be able to make an appearance in this movie they gotta pay homage to something like to somewhere in there too but let me tell you the original even though in terms of special effects is kind of dated or really not just dated it's outdated it still holds up everything about that movie still holds up but i'm looking forward to seeing what they will do with modern cgi and technology and everything because honestly they can only do better now i don't want to say this is like an oscar winning movie or whatever like that but it has some some really oscar caliber actors in this movie and and some definitely award-winning actors in this movie that made it what it was and i i can only see really good coming out of this and again henry cavill is just awesome i know he will put in that work to make it happen to make it look good i mean look what he's done with the witcher if you see what he's done with the witcher it's, it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer that he's gonna rock this so especially when it comes to sword play you know and hearing him say there could be only one i'm done like i i, I want to know who's going to do the soundtrack i don't know if they're going to add the watchers like there's so much so many questions that they're going to add and by the way the when i say the watchers is not like the watchers from um the mcu the watchers in highlander were a guild of people who would record the events of the of the immortals throughout time they would be the ones watching and recording. So if anybody would, you know, they would record history. They would, uh, it would be all chronicled. And I know this because I watched the series and then they did a spinoff for the watchers because Joe Dawson was Duncan McCloud's watcher. He was and they, their deal is that they're like, much like the watchers from MCU, they're not supposed to interfere with the events. They're not supposed to interact to some case. They are just supposed to record the fights that are go on and who won the fight and whatever like that. There is no interference in it whatsoever. Um, 
So in hindsight, yes, they are kind of like that, but they're not cosmic beings. They're just humans who are, you know, who have the uh, responsibility of making sure they record everything. So they'll go around the world. There's like a watcher everywhere and following every single, you know, immortal that's around to make sure that they, you know, until, you know, they follow them until they die. And then they go off and record somebody else or whatever like that. But, you know, it's, it's all part of the game pretty much. So I don't know what they're going to do. If they're going to add the watchers to it, like if they're going to combine the story of the, uh, you know, of the recent series to the movie and, or just continue it off from there. And he's a new McLeod. I don't know. They can do so much. There's so many possibilities, so many roads they could go. And again, if they, if it is a reboot, so he could be Connor McLeod again, they can't, they won't do it because honestly, uh, if you guys, <laughs> the funny thing is the, one of the last Highlander movies that they don't the one that made it to the theater, at least there was another one after that, but it didn't live up. It wasn't nearly as good as the one in the uh, theaters, which was titled Endgame, believe it or not. So like, um, Avengers Endgame was not the first to say Endgame. Highlander Endgame was before this. And this was the movie where Connor died at the hands of Duncan, uh, by choice, mind you, because they, the, the villain that they were going to fight was way too powerful and using Connor's, you know, powers, uh, powers, basically passing the torch to Duncan was the thing that they were going to do. So it led to that. It was, it was, that was, that was actually a pretty damn good movie. Um, it was probably the best movie that they did since the original, because Highlander two was not good. Highlander three with Mario Van Peebles was funny, was hilarious. Um, but you learned some tropes that they were doing in each movie. There was comes some similar patterns that they were doing in each movie that kept, you know, replicating for each movie up until Endgame came in. So trust me when I tell you I'm a fan of this, I'm a huge fan of Highlander. I've even, like I said, I brought the sword. I've even brought the CD, the CD-ROM disc, which had all of the article, all of the, uh, it was basically like the, the, the MCU um, official timeline book. It had all of the bios of every single immortal that has ever been on, on the show and more. It was incredible. Like I've, I just love everything about Highlander. So I am looking forward to this. I hope that they stick to this. I hope we don't get any news that's saying that they, you know, talks are being over and they're not doing it. We need it. We need this movie back out. Cause this was awesome. I know like if it was awesome back then in 86, imagine how they could do when they have now special, better special effects and better technology to make this an awesome, awesome, awesome movie and then on top of that have henry cavill do the leading role so we'll see so folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and then we're going to enter the world of or enter the uh the pizzeria known as five uh five nights at freddy and uh yeah you see how enthusiastic i am about doing this we're going to do that and uh we're going to give my thoughts on that we'll do that right after this Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. Live.com. 
TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. and you may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of View Askew films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and this is my review of Five Nights at Freddy based on the, I don't know if even if it's a cult classic game, but it's a game, it's based on a video game that's out in consoles, and it's a game that I've watched for quite a while. I, I think there is a following for this game. It has to be because they made a movie based on it. And I didn't know to what end how popular this game is, but if they made a movie based on it, that's kind of telling for me. Whether it is a good game overall, that's not that's a whole other thing. But it, it it is played a lot, and they do have expansion packs that is out for the game. And now they have a live action adaptation to it, um, which is starring some familiar people in here. Uh, one of which is. Uh, Josh uh, Hutcherson from uh, from the Hunger Games in here. Uh, it's the only one I really, really recognize in here. Everybody else is, I don't recognize, but he's the main character here. He plays a uh, character named Mike, um, who is looking after he's raising pretty much raising his sister, Abby, after his parents passed away a while back, leaving those two to fend for themselves. Uh, and then also he's suffering through a lot of mental health issues, um, traumatic issues that, that he had as a kid because he lost his younger son, um, his younger brother, uh, who was kidnapped by a mis a mystery guy, a guy that he knows who it is. He's seen him before, but he's blocked it out of his mind. He has a hard time remembering who that person was. So for years it has haunted him to this day to this point of losing his his um his sister his little sister abby who has a bit of a conflicting type of relationship with him right now she's going through some of her own issues and they have a hard time you know communicating but abby does really love her and definitely shows because she doesn't want to go and live with her aunt jane played by mary stewart masterson now that that um actor i do know so she's playing kind of an evil aunt a like an aunt that you don't you, you don't got good vibes with you know that family member that you don't want to mess with because they don't treat you right or they don't you know you don't feel comfortable with them and she for some reason is very very determined to try to adopt abby into her own because she doesn't feel that mike is up to being able to raise her but mike is wanting to stick by her especially considering everything that he uh has gone through he doesn't want to lose her either and he's so he's struggling like he's struggling to try to be the right person for her he keeps taking on these jobs uh it's like he had a mall it started off where he had a mall job uh as mall security but he keeps getting triggered at certain aspects and the one thing that he did 
was get triggered by this guy who was kind of grabbing his little kid away and he kind of thought that this guy was getting this kid was getting kidnapped so he rushes off from the yogurt shop to go after this guy tackles him in the in in the, in the fountain inside the mall it starts to ground and pound this dude now what we don't see and this is one of the problems i have with this movie is that one of the problems i have with this movie is that there are a lot of loose ends that aren't explained properly here one of this was the first one where he tackles the guy beats him up but we don't know they never really say whether this guy was trying to kidnap this kid or not all we know is that this guy has the as mike has been fired from this job again it, there's a lot of things that there's supposed to be impliedness to it like where's where it, it's supposed to be implied that this was not a guy kidnapping his kidnapping a kid it was a guy actually it, you know it was a father to a son and apparently he might have just beat up the father thinking that it was a kidnapper all right that should have been explained that should have been fleshed out a little bit more they just went from that scene on to the fact that he was trying to find another gig and apparently the gig that he found that he was trying to go for was another security job at this now abandoned place called freddy's pizzeria or whatever like that where it's kind of like this Chuck E. cheese like environment that's supposed to be good for uh family you know gatherings but it closed out many years ago for a reason and that doesn't get explained until later on now they also don't tell you why mike is going through all these triggering moments where he's you know definitely afraid you don't learn that until later on so that part i'm not too weary of but it was like for the first half hour of the movie you were trying to figure out like what relevancy does this have to him working in this now banding scary type of place like first of all why are you why are you a security guard for an abandoned pizzeria that it's no longer active it's no longer working and your your job is to make sure nobody enters this and vandalizes or steals from this place that still has these working animatronic robots that apparently like killer robots in a lot of ways but it's not really killer robots because we learn later on that these killer robot these killer animatronic animal robots that are looking like chuck e cheese like if you go to chuck e cheese you just know that they got these you know animatronic little uh animals that play you know music or whatever like that this is kind of what it was but these animals are killers but we learn later on that's even it's even deeper than that these animatronic robots apparently inhabit and inhabit the souls of lost dead children and i hate to be the spoiler of this that was once you know that once uh you know by the killer we even don't find out who the killer is until later on okay i won't spoil that much maybe i will i don't know but you we find out that like these are the actual kids the missing kids over for years um one of them not being his brother but we also have a character that comes into this that, uh, in the form of a cop named uh vanessa who kind of watches over the area quote unquote supposedly now another thing that was bothersome about 
the character Vanessa here. She's a cop. She comes in. She introduces herself to Mike. She is very familiar with the inhabitants of the of the restaurant of the you know of the pizzeria, but she doesn't reveal that. Also, what I notice is that she comes in every day and then she spends a significant amount of time with Mike in Abby in this place. I don't know. They never explain where the, where this the location of this place is or whether it's a small town or whatever like that. But I noticed that she never has her comm available. She never gets called in for things. She never has to report back. She's just always there. And it's weird that she's just a cop where you don't hear any, you know, body asking her, you know, reporting to her or what's going on or whatever. Like it's weird. It is very weird on that note. So you know there's something more to this character for that. Nope. In the in the midst of all this, Aunt Jan, Aunt Jan is trying to set Mike up so he, you know, because if he doesn't have a job, then that means he can't take care of Abby. And if that means he can't take care of Abby, that means there's a court order for her to be, you know, taken away, which gives Aunt Jan the opportunity to do it. So Aunt, Aunt Jan hires a few people to set him up. And these people are people who work, who live with Mike. So they're screwing him over. And what they're going to do is now that he's working in Freddy's Pizzeria or whatever the hell this place is called, they're going, their job is to vandalize this place to make it look bad so he could get fired. And they're only doing it. Okay, this is the part that really bothered me. This is this was the part that really bothered me. So Aunt Jan hired these guys, these goons. Like they're they're lesser than Joker's goons. He hired these two big goons, including his um his roommate Max, to whatever affiliation that she is to him. Cause she came off like she was really cool with him. And she was trying to really look out for him. But it turns out that she was screwing him over for the amount of only $2,000. Now, okay, here, here's the thing. That is beyond a crackhead price for the job that they're trying to do here. Let me tell you why. They're risking, they're, they're, first of all, they're, they're vandalizing, they're, they're criminals, they're doing criminal acts. So you taking the risk of going to jail for that alone. And you're vandalizing the place you're stealing from them you're robbing them you're doing whatever and then on top of that you're hired to sabotage any possibility of you know him being able to take care of his own sister and you're only doing for two thousand dollars and i'm not justifying this at all but if i'm going to do something like that it's not going to be for a measly two thousand dollars how stupid or desperate can you be that is two thousand dollars is a crackhead price in my i mean well crackhead price is way lower than that but still like that to them crackhead prices in it that's to them i guess equates to like two thousand for a crack for like a crackhead price for a drug addict price is the equivalent of like two hundred thousand maybe two million i guess <laughs> in, in a way like how do you can't survive off of two thousand I don't know what type of economy they have over there, but 2000 is nothing. I'm sorry. That is like a 
at best a $20,000 job. And even still, that's too low because I'm risking high hell in my life of going to jail for a very long time for doing this. I honestly, 20 is not even low. Like you better be paying me some money to risk my time to make sure that $2,000. I'm like, could you make it any less? Like, could you make them look any dumber and desperate for doing it? And I guess that's the idea, but it just seemed unrealistic. Like you can't be that dumb. $2,000 that stuck with me throughout the entire film. Like I get in the nineties, maybe possibly, but today in this economy, even even somebody of a low social, social stratification would know that $2,000 is way too low. Like, what are you like? You gotta be on drugs. And they did kind of feel like they were, but they, at the same time, I feel like they were, they were cognizant enough to know that like, that should have been way low. You, you, I'm not risking my lively being for that. And that's maybe that's just me, but I, I it just, I feel are, are, are people that stupid at that time? So yeah, they went up going in there and then on top of that, they went in there unbeknownst to them <laughs> that these haunted animatronic animals that apparently supposed to be AI are just running around killing people because they killed the last security guard. So they didn't kill Mike, but they killed these, they killed every single one of them, every in the, in the most brutal, ruthless way. And Vanessa is there. She happens to know about all this stuff, but she doesn't mention it. She doesn't own up to it. And it just goes into this situation where we're trying to figure out, first of all, the supernatural aspect of this movie too was kind of weird. Like it was again, loose ends. Mike was having these visions. He was going to sleep on a job and he was having these kind of supernatural visions of his brother and we're trying to figure out and trying to remember who the actual kidnapper was he could not find it to the least of them so his idea was to just sleep it out at night and figure it out not realizing that all these damn you know haunted robots were going around killing people and whatnot so he brought abby to work with him and it turns out they found out about it that these guys were what they were and he finally got to meet those um guys but they all seem to like abby reason being because they were the souls of these things were kids her age so they ended up liking it but they wanted her to be a part of them meaning she they wanted her to be one of them and that became a situation which all leads to the revealing of what vanessa you know truly was and why she's so connected to this place and why she was so afraid of abby being there Turns out, and I spoiler alert here, if you if you just so happen to want to watch this, then turn this off right now. But if you don't, here's the kicker. Vanessa is the daughter of the father who was the owner of the shop, but also the owner of the shop just happens to be the one that's been kidnapping these kids. And he used this shop as a front to kidnap these kids because they figured nobody wouldn't realize where these kids are from. I don't know if this is the same narrative and story that's in the video game, but this is crazy and creepy and somewhat stupid at the same time. <laughs> so the father actually is the killer. He's also the one who actually um, kidnapped his, his brother. 
and they found that out because there was a picture of her as a kid with a toy that was exactly like the toy that his brother had when he was kidnapped and she ended up he ended up giving it to her so that was revealed and then all types of things happen and then this supernatural thing happened and it, it it just i won't go from there but it gets crazy and it gets i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i didn't necessarily enjoy this there was there was something there to it but nothing that really grabbed me and it it it, it, it really i got invested like the writing and storytelling of twisted metal was so much better and they made so much sense out of everything and they they really stuck to the source of that game they did a great job with character development with that game they did a, did a great job making everything making sense of everything that was going on in twisted metal this one was not even close to the level of awesomeness that twisted metal was not even close it none of it a lot of it just it 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 just went off the handle and it wasn't fun to watch and it wasn't enjoyable it is not the fault of the actors they tried yeah I, I i fault this with the writing in the direction more the writing than the direction the writing to me just did not hit home it didn't make you enjoy this it wasn't really a good horror movie to that measure it had a ounce of horror to it it was i i would say the horror level for this movie was probably gremlins at best that's what i ever reminded me it was pretty much gremlins and it wasn't like mortal Kombat level gruesome but they it was a lot of impliedness to everything that was going on here but it just led to a i you know it, it, by the end of this it looks like that it's possible that we will see a sequel and some things that developed at the end um i will say i am if they come out with a sequel which it looks like that they're leading to be you could count me out <laughs> it's just by the end of this i was like i didn't really need I, it just this was unfortunate it just it didn't it didn't live up it's one of those movies where you got great actors with bad writing and bad direction there's no slight on the actors um i slight this on the storytelling aspect and it just didn't do anything for me by the end um i would unfortunately say this is probably one of the worst movies i've watched this year uh definitely a bad adaptation I've, this is this is one of those movies that you know it's like the last of us twisted metal sonic the hedgehog detective pikachu um all put us in the right direction and then you get this one that ticks us a few steps back but luckily because those movies were so i mean those movies and tv series were so great this doesn't hurt it it just hurts itself so if i'm going to give this a grade and god based on the ratings i think i'm going to agree with this um the id uh imdb rating in here which is out of 10 it got a 5.6 i will agree with that there are times i do not agree with the ratings on imdb but i will agree with this one and for me that would equate as a i would give it a grade a d which is pretty much what this is it was like it was watchable but not enjoyable it, it's watchable because of just the ridiculousness of it 
it's it's it this is definitely mystery science 3000 worthy this is like watching a bad movie for the sake of a bad movie in here um yeah it's it's i can see this being a cult classic almost in the same way that the room the movie the room is and you're just watching just for its stupidity for its ridiculousness it just it is just like i would watch kevin smith's um oh what that kevin smith had a movie that starred his daughter and i forgot the name of it but it was my least favorite movie ever um i gotta remember what this is because i reviewed this ages ago on this show mind you and it started out great and it just went to shit um oh i gotta remember his harley quinn smith yes let me look at let me go to her move oh here it is yoga yoga housers it is that bad but i will watch yoga housers way before i watch just probably this movie again and i at least i will tell you this the first half of yoga housers is great it feels like it's, it's going to be another kevin smith dope movie and then they just go total left field it's like i think that i think yoga housers was the first movie that kevin smith ever smoked weed on and then it just changes whole entire situation um because half of that movie was kevin smith and the other half was like what the hell what what drug what what marijuana what um what drug of choice did you use for the other half of this film because it just went total left field but i would probably watch this i watched that movie before i watched five nights at freddy's again <laughs> it just i i just i i just i don't know man i i, I couldn't like i have no it, it didn't wow me it didn't wow me it didn't encourage me to want to play the game it now furthered my distance away from the game um if you're a fan of this then maybe it's for you it just wasn't for me i i, I wouldn't go watch it for yourself just for the sake of watching it and just you know let me know how ridiculous this was but this is one of the unfortunate ones man so there you have it it's it gives a d for me um but if you got peacock it's available on peacock for free so please highly recommend you go watch it there if you just happen to have peacock do not go to theaters to watch this or wait till it goes on digital rent it for 3.99 or whatever like that just it's just bad if you'd like one of those people who just had bad movie moment now that's what i say if you want if i will say this if you're into bad movies this is an a this is a grade a bad movie but this is a grade d in terms of ever it be ever if it ever being a good movie so um if you like bad movie parties or gatherings or whatever like that yeah throw this in this is a this is a grade a bad film <laughs> in that case so folks that will do it for this edition of talk time live i hope you guys enjoyed it go check out my review of spider-man 2 that i did this week as well as my appearance on the ramble rampage um podcast with boris of roberto aguilar as we talk about uh this week's episode of aew rampage possibly the best episode of rampage we have seen in years it's not just because i was there live to see this one it legit had some great great matches this time around and i was 
more than happy to join up with uh boris to talk about that and so much more we also talk about our spider-man stuff and mortal kombat stuff as well in there too so go to way check that out on uh smne radio.com uh you can check out the free feed of that there and we have a lot of fun talking as well you know as i love talking with him because you know i always do solo here but it, it's good to have a good uh diligent partner to you know play off of as well every so often and boris is really good at that uh, of course he hosts the sunday night's main event uh radio show on tsn radio so if you're a wrestling fan um this is one of canada's premier uh wrestling radio shows uh it is on tsn radio in japan uh, i said japan in canada <laughs> it's a canada people um in by way of toronto so you can go check him out every sunday uh he talks with chris van vleep and and a host of others he has a few guests every once in a while and uh he covers all the week of wrestling news there so go out of your way check it out there as well if you love this episode in every episode of talk time live you could go to our official website at talktimelive.com where you can check out all of our uh all of our audio episodes like this one are video exclusive interviews and november's coming we're gonna have some new guests coming this week to add on to that so you can check it out there but you can check out our previous episodes with some of your favorite people and all of your favorite fandoms you can also check uh you can also check out our media page as well and our blog page which has some new content from new york comic-con too so go out of your way check it out and um you know keep us going and keep us growing as always so folks that will do it for me on behalf of myself all i gotta say is learn to let go live life love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out here take care and you guys have a great week Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.